0: On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at the top AV companies in the world, getting AV talent and keeping it, and the place of drones in the audiovisual space. All that and more next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This This is AV. This This. is AV Nation. This
0: is AV
2: Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 432, recorded Wednesday, November 27th, 2019. Core growth.
2: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Daylight, the leading producer of high quality projection screens worldwide. And by Byam. And by FSR.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albrecht. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, uh, I have not had a, him on in a very long time. My buddy, Mister Adrian Boyd from Arab. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Uh, also, Mister Hanan Averbuk uh, from Prime View, who is no longer in New York but south uh, somewhere in the Florida uh, area. How are you, sir? <laughs>
3: Thank
1: God. Thank God.
0: Uh, also, Mr. Bill Chamberlain from Barracks. Welcome, sir.
3: Good morning, Tim. Thanks
0: for having me. And uh, last but not least, uh, certainly Mr. Brock McGinnis, uh, who last time we talked was was exiting uh, Westbury. And so I'm going to let Brock say uh, who he is with now. Uh,
4: you know what, Tim? I've become a cliche. Uh, as guys exit a career, they set up a consulting business uh, uh, until they find out what they're going to do next. Uh, my consulting business is called Avitas and uh, it's uh, consulting and advisory services for, uh, for both our industry uh, and our clients. I'm forgetting, just for the record, you
0: could never be a, a cliche. Everyone else would be a cliche after you. So mm, I thank you for that. Benefit of being Brock McGinnis. Uh, all right, so first story here comes to us from our friends over at SCN. Uh, SCN has posted their top 50 integrators. Uh, they cover, uh, SCN typically covers uh, primarily covers the North American market, but not every integrator on this list uh, is from the Western Hemisphere, which I found interesting. <coughs> Several uh, ties in that list actually puts the number on uh, of integrators on that list at 55. Uh, as Megan Dutta from Future and SCN notes, these submissions are quote-unquote voluntary and are dependent on companies being willing to submit their financials by the deadline. So understand that this is not the 50 top Integrators in the world. This is not 50 top integrators. Period. In North America, these are the 50, 55 uh, top integrators who submitted their financials. So let's let's understand that. Going, uh, we'll talk about some benefits of of why you would do that and why you wouldn't. At the top, once again, is AVISPL, the Tampa based firm, grew to 905 million. So they still have not quite hit that 1 billion. Though uh, listening to their CEO the last couple of years, that is definitely uh, a mark they're, they're aiming for. There is a fight for the top spot between diversified and ABISBL. Uh, the gap is actually most pronounced between the second place, diversified at 875 million, and third place, Whitlock at 360 million. Bill Chamberlain is here from uh, Varex, who came in at number 24 on the, on the list. So we'll actually start with Bill. Uh, Bill, you, 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 you and, and your team, uh, you guys put together your, your submission and you send it off to SCN. What are the benefits? Uh, what, what benefits come from a list like this and making a list like this?
3: Yeah, thanks, Tim. You know, it's interesting because there are differing opinions about whether or not um, it's beneficial for a company to provide it. It provides insight into what you're doing from a revenue standpoint. A lot of companies don't like to share that info. There's quite a few really good audiovisual companies that don't submit. So you won't see them on that list. Um, we, prov- we find it as a value because it kind of provides a snapshot of the industry and the growth that we're seeing. You know, there's a lot of MA um, activity going on within our market you know, that's relevant within that list and you see the expansion both on the, not only on the geographical side, but also on the products and services sets that people are offering. I find it's really interesting if you look at the traditional AV companies that are only providing traditional AV services versus a lot of companies that are providing other technologies and services on the UC space, structure cabling, things along those lines. Um, we also find it's very beneficial from a marketing standpoint. You know, it's something that we point to with clients. It's something that helps uh, show the value that Veric does in our positioning within the market as well.
0: All right. Uh, Mr. McGinnis, Bill mentioned the fact that there are some folks that aren't on that list because they chose not to. So what are some of the drawbacks of, of making a list or, or putting yourself out there? Um, and, and your
4: financials? Um, it, it was always a uh, real debate within our shop about whether we kind of open the kimono and let people know how much business we do, or you stay a bit of a mystery. Uh, and uh, some people will think you're smaller than you are. And some people will think you're larger than you are. And the the biggest drawback of the list to me is that I don't believe all the numbers. Um, oh, okay. know, uh, so it it's, uh, I've, I've been, you know, I'm quite familiar with some of the uh, some of the businesses on that list. And I I look at the numbers and I look at the um, I look at employee revenue ratio Um, and uh, and, you know, it's it's inconceivable to me how people can do so much business. With so few employees, in some cases, uh, are they in fact providing integration services, or are they shipping boxes? Uh, And uh, and there are are a bunch of different business models. So it it uh, it's always allowed, you know, kind of created some head scratching. Um, We always chose not to participate. I think that uh, our industry would will be in huge huge problems if the fiftieth largest integrator is actually only a nine million dollar (laughs) company. Okay, I I, and I I understand real quickly. Do you think that there are, are funny
0: numbers, let's say, uh, on the higher end, or do you think it's more on the lower end, or is it just it just in
4: general? Uh, it it's a it's a generic. I'm not calling anybody uh, out no. in particular. Um, so all right, uh, but it, it definitely becomes an ego play for some of the you know some of the people. This
1: in is it. a circle of trust. You know, you can share your real thoughts if you want. Oh no, yes.
4: no, I'm, I'm <laughs> nobody. Well, I'm recording. <laughs> and nobody, Hanan, will ever find out.
0: Yes, uh, Hanan actually brings it. You, when do you look at a, a list like this? When you let's say that you get a, a new uh, application from somebody, uh, a, a new dealer application, and they say, you know, we made the SCN top fifty because this. Does that help you, or, or does that impact your decision, or is it, you know, you, you guys are just looking for the the, the perfect uh, or, or the the fit that that kind of you know the partnership that that fits for your company.
1: I think it really depends on the application, um, as well as the project. You know, for example, when we launched one of our new products back in November 2018, Fusion Max, we were very careful on what today we call what other people call a bundle solution. We were very careful of who we partner with. But the reality is, and Adrian knows this as well from her personal experience, there's some integrators out there who may claim to have a boatload of experience doing video walls, for example but in doing specific tech types of technologies, maybe not. And whereby, for example, you know, firms that are maybe not the top 10, okay? And by the way, we should sometimes calculate how much profit margin they make by the way, in those top 10. That should be a separate list. You're, you're, never, you're probably not gonna get that. I'm <laughs> just throwing that out there. I'm just <laughs> throwing that out there. I mean, look, again, you have private equity to answer to. It's not always so simple, growth, 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 growth. But, you know, again, I'm a little biased, obviously, PrimeView being a privately held company, right? We actually have to make money. So it's a little different mentality. But the reality is when we launch that type of product, you know, it's very, we have to be very meticulous in who we work with because in some cases we could get burnt even a manufacturer. So for example, when we launched the product, we have certain guys that nailed it out of the gate, nailed it. And those are top 10 and top 20 companies. Um, and then there's certain guys that are in the top 40, 50 that we're not able to nail it, but we did We just did a project this week, for example, with Varex that we really wanted our guys on site. And for whatever reason, logistically, it couldn't work out. And the team nailed it without us. Like that's a damn good feeling, honestly. Yeah. And that scares me because there's other guys who think that like we're bigger than Varex. We could do it. No, not necessarily. <laughs> it has to do with skill set, not just how big you are as a sales giant. So the list is helpful uh, for certain instances, but what I find, and this is my biggest challenge by far in the you know top five, top 10, is because of the sheer size of these companies, they have a deep bench, but that deep bench doesn't necessarily always mean grade A. So there's the A team, the B team, and you could honestly get down to the Z team, depending on how busy they are, depending on how many subcontractors they're using, versus... There's some guys out there that are not listed in the top 50 to Brock's point that are privately held that are rock stars and they're not on any list and they're awesome at what they do for maybe that specific vertical. You know, I mean, so it's really vertical centric what product you're using and that list is great if I want to make a recommendation to a customer, to an end user saying, I've worked at these guys, and by the way, they're $400 million or $50 million or $20 million company. But other than that, pretty useless for me.
0: Well, but that also goes back to Bill's point about being useful for, for marketing and, and promotion and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adrian, we'll wrap up here with this. What does it say about our industry, the fact that that there's a ginormous disparity between number two and number three, uh, and then another jump between number three and number four, right? So to recap, Diversify is sitting at $875 witlock Whitlock, number three, is three hundred sixty. Number four is even further down, down the list. Uh, a little bit back to Brock's comment about number 50 being only $9 million. What does that say about the, the state of our industry?
2: Well, you also have to look at um, what happened this year in terms of mergers and acquisitions with a lot of these companies. So is that number that they have, is that part of that merger and acquisition? Right? Do they have that market capitalization? Because hey, we just bought somebody and they did a whole lot of business and we're adding that into our number, so it doesn't really show <laughs> true metrics. Uh, the other thing is uh, the numbers. When we look at it overall, are they really accurate? Because it's voluntary, you know, there is a propensity, possibly, to to fudge numbers. To, you know, on you know, no one can say that's happening, but it's voluntary and you take it with a grain of salt. Uh, when we look at it as, you know, as a, as a consulting group, um, it kind of says, okay, we, we gauge this, we can look at this going, okay, these are the top reporting integrators in a market. Mm -hmm. Um, do they have, does our experience with them in the past warrant what they say that they actually can do? Mm -hmm. Some integrators we've had excellent, um, projects with them they hit you know they they hit all the marks and other times they don't so um, a lot of it when it comes to our our disciplines and our our, our teams all over the world we just kind of have to we're, we're looking at it as a larger what's the best for our client um, and you know this list is good you know sort of as a industry peg but you kind of have to take up a grain of salt. What I found very interesting when you kind of read through the article was just all of the comments from the executive leadership in a lot of these firms. And the biggest takeaway I have um, that we see is just employee retention and the skills gap we have in the industry. And you kind of yeah. notice that more and more as recruiters have become far more aggressive um uh, in the last, I would probably say the last two and a half years, they become extremely aggressive in trying to find um, top talent for a lot of these organizations that are now go. We have a huge skills gap. We've done a, you know, we have to go to the next level, but we can't get to that point because we either don't have um, the capitalization to make that happen or the project workload. So it's very different. So when you see ABSPL at, at such, you know. Uh, 905, right. In in terms of reporting not, you know, $105 million and you start looking down the gap, you know, how are they maintaining their talent and how are they, um, and how is that talent, um, being adequately, you know, um, uh, compensated to keep that revenue going. Because as Hanan said, you, you have the a teams, but then you start running down to lesser and lesser skill sets, which does impact a company's bottom line if they have a bad, a bad project. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely it does. It actually goes back to uh, a story, a, a cover story that our, our friends over at AV Magazine did. Uh, I want to say this, the, the, the October, November, November, December issue uh, called Breaking Point. Uh, and they looked at the skill set and the, and the this disparity in the skill set in the industry. And, and during it, they, they interviewed several folks, some staffing and, um, agencies as well over, over in the UK. But I would, I would kind of transplant that over here. Adrian makes a very good point. The fact that, that there are some, some, some high talent, very high ta- highly talented folks that are going to get not, not necessarily poached, but certainly approached, right? Uh, all of us on this call have gotten the unsolicited LinkedIn message saying, hey, are you looking? Um, Brock, you might want to go back through some of those. <laughs>
3: um,
0: but you know, all of us have gotten that, right? I've gotten that, and, and i I, I run aviation, right? So you know it's it's a, an ongoing issue, but it goes back to Adrian's point is how do you keep your your employees happy? Um, yes, all, everybody has a price goes back to the old wrestling days of, of the million dollar man. Everybody has a price, right? The question is what is that price? But some of that is also, you know um, um, Standard of living, right, and and your comfort level, and, and work life balance, and everything else that um, works into that, it,
4: and not just for people, Tim. This is for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, growth uh, in terms of top line sales dollars does not have to be the ultimate objective. Companies can be right sized. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they right sized to serve a market, right sized uh, for the capability of the management, right sized for the amount of working capital uh, that's available. Uh, you know, y- you you want to open up five new offices? Well, you're going to sell your soul to somebody else's money. Yeah. That's that's going to happen. And then, is it all about? Yeah, AV? but Brock. Yep.
1: Yeah, but, but Brock, to your point, though, you know, and I've seen this in our own company as we now started hiring, going through a big hiring right now, you know, coming towards the end of the year, preparing for a huge pipeline that we're expecting in 2020, 2021. You know, we had to expand because we have customers that are taking us to Egypt. We have customers taking to Africa. So, you know, I think if you grow too slowly sometimes, yes. right, then you, and they, uh, you can't necessarily sustain growth. Um, let alone keep up with it. So I think to a certain point, you have to, and again, that's coming from an manufacturer standpoint. Obviously, it's a little different on an integrator side, and then obviously, it's even more different on a consultant side. Um, but you, if you see growth coming in your pipeline, putting the recession, the looming recession aside for a second, I'm not to get into the economics here, but you do have to prepare for that growth, and otherwise, you will be skinny. Um, when it comes to resources,
0: yeah, you, you have to you have to make sure that you hire for growth I and mean, we, we did hear that aviation uh, the first of this month We we added a, another folks another person to our team Lenora line. She is our new uh, editor for the site, right? Lenora takes care of all the written stuff and um, Takes me out of it and You go, goes back to what do what you're good at, right? Focus on what you're good at, and I'm not good at that, and Lenore is. So,
2: um. <laughs> and and really, it, it's more of a an understanding of what a g- organic growth is for your business, right? We have a lot of integrators that. Um, Naturally grow as the market dictates. So they add new offices because they see an opportunity. They have clients that say, Hey, we, we need support and assistance. Um, especially when you look at enterprise clients and then you look at other, um, especially when we talk about this acquisition or merger, um, mindset that we have been in the last couple of years where integrators are growing their company, right? By, um, Purchasing a lot of these uh, mom and pop organizations where the leadership wants to retire, but they don't want to leave their employees in alert So what do they do? They are more or less start to shop their business to hopefully a firm that can keep you know their vet core values the same and provide you know something to their employees in the market as a whole. And we've seen this quite often, and, and even in through the advertising of this article, when you get into the PDF, there's a there, there's a capital um, I forget the name of the company, but they say, hey, we advised all of these other companies on their merger and acquisition, right? So it's, it's when we look at dynamic growth and organic growth, it's something to kind of be mindful uh, overall with our industry.
3: I think it's important as well in the fact that, you know, you really need to focus your growth on your core clients, you know, uh, for us on the integration side, our core clients are those enterprise clients. And as their audiovisual teams and their audiovisual investment in technology grows, you got to be able to grow to support them as well.
0: All right, guys, let's go. Next story here, which we'll have time for one more because uh, we could probably honestly do the entire episode on this and Megan Dutta would be completely okay with that. She'd be fine. Just I'm okay with talk that. Talk about her article the entire time. But the uh, next story actually comes to us from our, our friends over at AD Magazine. 2019 Nanchang flight convention highlighted a drone swarm that created an animated ghost plane. More than 800 drones were used in the various animations. It wasn't just the drone, uh, the, the ghost plane. There were other ones as well. This brought to mind to me the very first time that Stampede brought the drone pavilion to Infocom and ISE. Oh, my Lord, was their hand wringing. It was, it was a, not quite apocalyptic, but it was really close. What are they doing? What is Stampede thinking? What is Infocom thinking, right? That drones don't belong in the AV industry. That was the, that was the standard you know, drumbeat, and yet they continued to do it, right? they continue to bring drones they continue to highlight the AB magazine SCN we've probably posted i know we posted stories about drones and various applications so brock i'm going to start with you on this um, this is obviously something at least in the staging and events space right which you know in my opinion staging and events you know, live staging and events is still part of the
4: industry where do drones belong i mean wh- oh my oh my gosh tim it's, they're Drones are the ultimate lighting effect. Okay. They're entirely programmable. They require no rigging. They can go anywhere and do anything you want at any time. They're, um, uh, you know, having spent the 90s uh, in that rock and roll and entertainment space, uh, I, I can't imagine, I can imagine all of the things that one could do with a fully programmable light that now can fly and do anything Anywhere, it's amazing. Um, when Stampede came in, you know, uh, they were about content capture. This is a content capture accessory. That's that's the Stampede drone. You you know you put a camera on it uh, or some other sort of sensors and and it's about how to do a different shot and how to do it more cost effectively. Uh, but the uh, you know the drone stuff that we're seeing at uh, at major outdoor events, which probably costs. Somewhere between a gazillion and two gazillion dollars um, are uh, are it's fireworks you can control. It's amazing. Yeah,
0: I love them. The, the gazillion is an official quote for the, from the consultant. So
4: well, it's uh, it, it's uh, yeah, plus or minus, plus or minus five percent. Um, consultants always underestimate, right, Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll bring Adrian in on this. What what is take take what Brock said from from where we were to, to where we are now? What what does this what does this mean for the for the industry uh, you know
2: when we look at like at the, the drone it's another it's another tool for in that tool belt right so when we look at the application it was used in it's part of an effect so that works great um, We've, uh, you know, we've seen integrators doing some very interesting things in terms of using drones to pull cable, and you know, back it harkens to the old day of of when you, you know, had an RC car running across a ceiling grid pulling wire, right? Um, so it's a natural evolution. Um, people will find new ways to take any technology for good or for bad. Um, I certainly think that, you know, if you're going to have thousands of drones doing an effect in a a venue or outside, you know, make sure nothing else is flying there. (laughs) But uh, it's just a natural evolution. Um, As technology get better and and that, you know, automation aspect of it, it becomes a smoother transition. We will see these more and more. Um, Some integration firms will not um, rapidly, you know, see this, you know, they'll, they'll be like, uh, too late to the party, Well, others will will embrace this and they will be successful with it. That's it's, it's just
0: how it is. Right. Bill, um, actually Adrian brings up a, a good point in making sure that the airspace is clear when, when, you know, what, what do we have to, as an industry need to make sure that we're, we're aware of and there, there are in the U S there are certifications, you know, F, FAA certifications you have to get now to get certain levels of, of, of drones. Yes. I can go out and I can spend 50 bucks and give my, give my 11-year-old uh, a drone. But if I want it to be this type of drone, then there are certain, you know, there are certain certifications that we have to get. But as we're looking at this as an industry, what, what do we have to be careful of?
3: It, it's an interesting interesting question in the fact that um, it's going to tie in a little bit to the next question when we talk a little bit about the ADA on the different regulations that there are be- between countries. Because from our standpoint, we do a lot of international business and we, we deal with a lot of, different regulations. From our standpoint, we base most of it on the US um, US based regulations and kind of follow that. From from we let me step back for a sec. I attended Pivot to Profit uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah. like, a few weeks ago. That's the idea. Um, and one of the pieces the NSCA was really pushing on was the different regulations going on on a state by state basis. You know, I think they spoke a lot about, you know, power over Ethernet and effect of um, heat on uh cat five cabling and things like that. And it seems that every single state is pushing their own regulations when it comes to these new technologies that we're dealing with On uh, from a commercial AV standpoint. Drones is just another one of those. As you mentioned, it affects the FAA and the regulations, but there's also individual state as well as individual um, in the U.S., individual uh, county and city regulations that you see, especially in some of the larger states like California. Um, I think it's important for us to keep mi- uh, mindful of that, and I think it's important for us to, you know, make sure that we're um, following NSCA and some of the other uh, industry um, partners that are making sure that we're not getting impacted by that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hanan, I'm going to ask you a very unfair question. I'll admit that going in. Uh, I take a look at this. I I take a look at this specific installation, right, this this instance. And to me, you have 800 LEDs. Now, yes, they're drones, right, but they're also LEDs. Right, so they are almost like by definition a light emitting diode of some sort that somebody is taking and they're creating a, a a plane in this instance. At what point do companies like yours take a look at this technology and go, you know what? We could probably shrink that down. And, and stay stay with me for a second here. And as we're talking about the pitch on LEDs, which as a reminder, the pitch on LEDs is the distance between the LED, typically um, illustrated by millimeters. So you're looking at a 15, 14 millimeter pitch, uh, if you go to Bush Stadium here in St. Louis. Is there something where you guys, a yeah, display manufacturer, could take a look at the drone technology and go, you know what, sell it to Bill, right? Sell it to Verex. Here's a package deal of 5,000 drone LEDs. And this is how you, you know, sell it to the Mets or whoever.
1: So I think, Ultimately, every project that has this kind of creativity comes down to budget, Mm, right? Um, I'm very blessed that we have a phenomenal engineering team in Israel that can basically do anything, literally. So I would not be surprised if this is something that's already up their sleeves. I'll let you know after after we have our uh, 2020 product planning meeting in a half an hour. Um, (laughs) But I will say this, that... Two of the verticals that we are um, very heavily interested in and see a lot of growth potential for the upcoming years is stadiums and arenas, which is a new market for us over the last few years that we've invested in and we've been doing some big ones, yep. um, as well as house of worship. And both of those verticals are um, very heavily invested into the drone technology, from promotional videos to how they capture instances, to how they create the wow factors that Brock spoke about. Um, and I would say that everyone in those verticals are utilizing a drone in one way or another, from a small church in Missouri to a larger church in New Jersey to a mega church in in Prestonwood, Dallas, Texas. And nothing against Canada, Brock, but the um, they don't fight wars with anybody. We know that. But the the reality is is that when I went to CES seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago before Stampede made their birdcage of drones, okay? Um, and it looks like a petting zoo for God's sakes, it drives me nuts. But I saw drones there and I sent pictures to my wife and she literally thought I was looking at a petting zoo at CES years ago. And I think that's because there is a lot of concern on how these drones are used. And I'm not gonna go into the Terminator mindset where all the machines are uncontrollable, right? That would just create fear in the, in, in the industry. But the reality is a lot of these machines, you know, it's a scary thought to a certain extent, especially in public spaces, that if you did hack these things and what it could do in a big public venues like stadiums, arenas, let's be honest, and you have to consider those security uh, concerns. So as much as all these cool wow factors sound really great, how do you get an an umbrella or an insurance policy under your umbrella at a stadium arena if you have 5,500 drones carrying LEDs? that are not rigged like they are inside of a church installation, right? Um, And that's why in the security industry, which it's been a big business of PrimeView for years now, um, there are companies like D-Drone and others, about a half a dozen to be precise, that have anti-drone technology to shoot these things down. But when you get to the large venue areas, what happens if a, I don't know, 500 pound or 1,000 pound uh, drone drops an LED inside of an arena. Well, what, what happens?
0: don't weigh they quite that much. Um, but it's, it's a good point. It right? depends. It's no, no, it, it, it is a good point in the fact that, that, there are security concerns because these are computers, right? And, and you, you, they are, uh, there's a couple of folks that have looked into the, the hackability of, of drones in those systems. So that is actually so absolutely something that we need to keep, keep, keep track of. So,
1: I'm sure Tesla will, will make this as an oh, add-on to the
0: Cybertruck truck. Tesla joke. I was hoping that we would do it. With
1: the ATV. With the ATV, of course. It comes
0: with a, an ATV. A, a stupid truck. I, I, if you bought one, I, congratulations. I'd love to ride in it because I hate Tesla's, but that's very interesting. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, we're actually recording this on Wednesday uh, before the U.S. Thanksgiving. Um, mainly because, you know, it's, it's U.S. Thanksgiving and, and, and most of us here will will take that off. And, and Brock will probably take it off, too, just because... You know,
1: gobble gobble. Why not? <laughs> um,
0: so, thank you all so much for, for joining me on this on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Mr. Bill Chamberlain from Barracks. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you or Barracks if they are so inclined?
3: Yeah, the website for Barracks is www.verex.com. That's V E R R E X.com. My email address is B Chamberlain, B C H A M B E R L I N, at Barracks.com.
0: All right, very good. Mr. Hanan Aperbeck from uh, PrimeView. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, definitely uh, on our website, primeviewglobal.com. That's right. Global, not .biz anymore. Um, nice. As well as on my LinkedIn is definitely a great way to get me. But I want to take a quick 10 seconds to tell the industry about a rare talent, Christopher Giuseppe, that's available. Um, he's an awesome, rare talent in the industry. And quite honestly, a lot of people look and he's overqualified, but he's available on the West Coast and he's just a good friend. I believe he deserves the right job opportunity.
0: And how do they get a hold of him? Just get a hold of you?
1: Chris Gillespie, the easiest way, I would tell you Christopher Gillespie on LinkedIn or just go through me or email cmgillespie at gmail.com. Great, rare talent in this industry
0: very good and, and nice use of our, of our time and, and send me a link to his LinkedIn and I'll I'll put it on, on this episode's page too. So, uh, Mr. Adrian yeah. Boyd from Arup dude, very good to see you. Uh, well, nice. so thanks for having us, for coming yeah, by.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, uh, Arab uh, Arup has offices all over the world. Um, we're probably one of the largest multidiscipline engineering firms in the world. Um, also offices in Europe, um, Australia, Um, all over Asia, North America. Uh, We do everything from uh, uh, MEP, so your electrical, your mechanical. Uh, We do audiovisual. We do acoustics. um, We do ICT, digital um, uh, environments. Uh, So if you can think it, Arup has been involved uh, in the engineering on one side, everything from um, the the Gherkin in the UK to even the Sydney Opera House. Um, So... Uh, it it's a, we have a very large and deep um, uh, background of individuals and uh a lot of times we 're involved in projects that we don 't advertise uh, but we uh but uh people know our work and uh and uh we we do quite well at what we do You can find me on linkedin i 'm very easy or if i'm if I get on the uh the twitter feed it's the uh the AV CAD guy and with underscores, of course.
4: All right, uh, and last but not least, Mr. Brock McGinnis. Thank you, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, always a pleasure. Really, uh, really enjoy the communication with so many smart people, and the AV industry has a ton of smart people. So, indeed. How do people get a hold of you or uh, Avitas? Well, I'm I'm Brock McGinnis on Twitter, uh, where I hang out uh, fairly often, and I'm now Brock at Avitas.com. A V I T A A S.
0: Very good. Uh, for me, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, it's almost the end of the football season, so. Go Blues. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, go by the website, if you would, please. avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and the host of others. I mentioned this briefly in the middle here, uh, but we have our sales brand-new editor, uh, Lenore Elaine. She is the host of our, our Digital Signage Digest, but she's also the, the editor now of avnation.tv just did that um, and she's taken over the newsletter and everything else like that she, she's fabulous so check her out and check out the website also while you're there check out the supporter section these are the folks to help us financially help us bring you AV week and Resi week and ISE in about two and a half months time so all that and more at TV. that's TV. thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that's all the time we have for AV week <laughs>